Great, great job. All right, y'all. Let's uh, turn into our bio, turn to our Bibles in to Second Corinthians chapter eight. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time in the first uh, uh, nine, ten verses of this chapter, and then we're going to pull a couple of verses elsewhere. But for the most part, we're going to be we're going to be right here in Second Corinthians chapter eight. Um, and this is one of Paul's letters to one of the churches that he thought uh, the most of and really worked really, really hard to the church of Corinth. Now, last week we introduced uh, a series on giving. We talked about money a lot last week, and as referenced already, is we, when, we, when we hear that there is going to be talks and and messages and, and sermons about uh, uh, giving, we tend to be a little bit close-handed with these things. And we were encouraged just to open up just a little bit in a reality that it is all God's anyway. But again, there's a little suspicion anytime a guy like me starts into a topic like this. So just another precursor. We are going to be talking about money again this week uh, before we enter into Advent next week. So just uh, that's the topic at hand. Most of the time, but this, this week will be a little bit different, uh, most of the time uh, when we engage this idea of money, we think very personally that it, it has to do with my money or the things that I need to give unto the Lord. And so we, we look at our name or maybe we look at our family and we start to etch out what our responsibility or my responsibility is unto the Lord. And that is good, that is faithful, that is real, that's biblical. All of those things are very, very true. Today, we're going to think about it just a little bit differently. Instead of thinking about it individually, we're actually going to draw a string or a circle around this entire auditorium, not a real one, but a, a circle all around the auditorium, or if we had everyone that represents Redstone, and draw a circle around all of us and to think about our, plural, corporate, or our collective responsibility in this idea of giving. Again, just a little bit differently instead of what, what I am responsible for and what I need to be faithful to, what are we responsible for and what are we going to do to, as, as far as giving goes. The Lord sees both and he wants both to be faithful and we want, he wants both to be responsible. So as you as an individual, we cannot wiggle out of responsibility, but then also corporately. As a church body, King Jesus is on the throne right now in heaven, and he's looking down upon his church, and he sees individual churches, real churches in real places in real time, and he sees us. And when he sees us, he is able to give us certain verbs or adjectives or descriptors that, that are, we are responsible for or even negligent to. And so King Jesus is looking at redstone. And when he sees redstone, he knows that we're made up of individuals. But then again, he's able to then give us descriptors corporately. And that includes giving. Take, for instance, uh, the, the beginning of Revelation. The beginning of Revelation starts with seven churches and how Jesus is actually walking toward these seven churches and describing them. Not the individuals inside the churches, but how, how Jesus is describing them corporately. Isn't that an interesting idea? How Jesus looks at us. Well, in our passage today, we're going to look 
at this passage and how a passage in Scripture actually starts to think about and talk, talk about how we are responsible in our giving. You guys ready? 2 Corinthians 8, uh, chapter 1 and following goes a little bit like this. Now, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, uh, this is Second uh, Corinthians eight, chapter one or chapter eight, verse one and following. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Again, plural. That's very important. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own account, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But you, but as, but as you excel in everything, as you excel in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also be genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that, through, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that, you, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Thus says the Lord. And so here we have in 2 Corinthians 8, we have Paul writing to a church in Corinth. Okay? So, so Paul is writing a letter, and he's sending it to a group of folks about our size. All right? So, so to a city in Corinth, a real place, a real people, those types of things. And he's writing, and he's writing this letter. Well, this is his second letter to this church. And in this chapter, we see that he is making reference, as he's writing a letter to a specific church, specific time, he's making reference to another church in another time. All right, Verses, verse 8 says this, And we want you to know, brothers, Corinthians, we want you to know, brothers and sisters of Corinth, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Paul, writing a letter to Corinth but he's making reference to another church in Macedonia. This is Paul. He's gone, he goes on three total missionary trips. Uh, on his second missionary trip, he goes through this place called Macedonia. And he ends up planting three churches, one in Berea, one in Philippi, and another one in Thessalonica. Okay? And so he is referencing, I have been, very similar to Cleaver, that I have been to Macedonia and we've planted three churches there. Now, Corinth and Macedonia are in two different places. And he's looking toward the Corinth people, and he's saying to them, there's a people group that I want you to look at. There's a people group that I want you to consider. There's a people group that are doing things that I want you to replicate. Again, a plurality of the Corinth people are negligent in one area, and there's another church that is excelling in an area. And what Paul is doing is says, I want you to look at them to gain encouragement and maybe even be provoked to act more like them. Again, a corporate reality of what our responsibility is as unto the Lord as to giving to him. What Paul is trying to do is raise them up, really trying to spur them on. 
Paul has been on these missionary journeys and he's been collecting this money and he is almost 10 years into this collection. He thinks it's very, very, very important for all of our churches, all of the churches to be involved in this giving because, all right, what's going on is that the, 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 the gospel is moving forward. And as the gospel moves forward, people are coming to know Jesus, and they're starting to assemble, and they're starting to worship, and they're starting to pray, and they're starting to read their Bibles, but they're also starting to collect money. They're starting to, to actually be an assembly, starting to be a church. As some of the churches are beginning to flourish, there are some churches that are in need. And what Paul is saying is, because we are all under one umbrella, those who are flourishing need to make sure that they are paying attention to those who are in need. In Jerusalem, at this point, in Jerusalem there was a great famine and there was great persecution. Now remember, Christianity started in Jerusalem. This is the, the, this is the very hub of Christianity. It starts here with Peter at Pentecost when he preaches and thousands of people come to know Jesus. So this is the hub. This is the very epicenter of Christianity. And now it's moving on into other regions of the world. And when Paul goes out, he says, I want you to consider other people. Now this is just an, like an umbrella un, uh, statement. Is that when we gather... It's important that we not just focus on our church. It's important that we not focus just on East Tennessee. Sometimes it's good to hear stories about Mozambique. Sometimes it's good to hear stories about other people in other parts of the world. And we cannot dodge it. Whatever, whatever is going on in Corinth, they're becoming too insular. Maybe they're collecting monies, but they're only collecting for themselves. And Paul looks to them and says, I think you can do better. Corporately, as a pastor, one of your pastors here at this church, I wonder what, and I'm not the Lord, I wonder what the Lord would say to us about our giving. And that's the question on the table this morning, is how are we doing? How are we setting an example for others as they come to us? And so Paul moves in to talk about these Macedonians. Here we go. And we want you to know, this is uh, chapter 8, verse 1 again. And we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. And now he's about to describe Macedonia in, in verse 2. And it is fascinating. You need to listen to these and potentially circle some, uh, some of these words. For in a severe test of affliction, all right, the, this is Paul describing the churches of Macedonia. They are in a severe test of affliction. affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So the point number one that we need to like glean from our Macedonian friends who've been dead 2,000 years, right? The, this church is long gone, but we are still gaining encouragement. The first thing that we need to gain encouragement as far as how are we going to become a generous body? Because we, sure, we can be generous individually, but Jesus is now looking at all of us and saying, are we generous? The first kind of characteristic of a generous body is that our corporate giving must overflow from joy. All right, so it doesn't start with our wallets. It actually starts with a joy. It overflows. There's an abundance that comes out of us. 
So let's revisit uh, chapter or verse 2 again. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty having overflowed. There's the word, all right? Corporate giving should overflow from our joy. Their test of affliction, their abundance of joy, and extreme poverty having overflow in the wealth of generosity on their part. So what is true of these Macedonian friends of ours? Number one, there is something adverse going on. There's some kinds of conditions that makes it miserable to be a Christian there in Macedonia. So if you're living in Philippi, if you're living in Berea, if you're living in Thessalonica, these three churches, there's something so adverse that is happening to them physically or mentally or emotionally that it makes it not ideal for giving. This is actually a term that's so severe that it says that, that they are being harassed for God's sake. So because they raise their hand and this is, I, that I'm a Christian, some things have come into their life that have, have not been pleasant. And so there has been a severe test, a test of their own character, test of their own te- testimony. But it's not just the severe test that's happening. What does it say? That they are literally, they are under extreme poverty. Literally, rock bottom poor. So there's a severe test, and they have extreme poverty. This is our Macedonian church. They are not rich. When Paul, on the other side of things, if they look at the the church of Corinth, the church of Corinth is doing pretty well financially. And what Paul is saying is he's making an example to the rich folks. I want to give you an example of the folks that are really struggling right now that are really being stressed and tested and under adverse uh, conditions and extremely poor. But he doesn't just talk about the adverse situation. He doesn't just talk about their poverty, does he? He says there's something that's overflowing from their hearts. There's things that are overflowing from their speech and there are things that are overflowing with their wallets. Verse, one, or verse 2 once again. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, again, there's something that's coming out of them. There's joy that's coming out. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty having overflowed in a wealth of generosity on, that, on their part. Persecution could not stamp out their joy. Whatever's happening, whatever strong arm is coming toward them, it could not stamp out their their joy. And poverty could not take away their generosity. And those four words simply do not belong together. If you are persecuted, you should not have joy. If you are poor, you should not be generous. And this is the exact example that Paul is lifting up. That in their persecution, they had joy. And in their poverty, they were extremely generous. These are the things that overflow in a, in, in a corporate gathering. So are we, in our persecution, would we be described as a joyful people? In our poverty, would we be described as a generous people? They gave these gifts to other people. And it was an amazing moment. I think for you and I, one reason that maybe the Corinth are getting a little bit of a slap, the people of Corinth are getting a slap on the hands is because maybe things are just a little bit too comfortable for them. 
I don't know about you. I don't can know a little bit more about us, but sometimes it's easier to give when we've got something, right? Here we have people giving when they don't have a thing, when they don't have a thing. I think the point of this morning is that we need to give when it's not easy. We give when we've got more zeros in our bank accounts, or when things are a little bit more comfortable, or maybe we've made a sell or two. But these, this idea that joy comes when adverse situation and generosity comes when we don't have it to give, sometimes, always, God asks us to give even when it's not easy. How are we doing with the possessions, with the wealth that God has given to us? I think it's amazing to me when you just think about geography for a second. These Mas- this Macedonian church is a long way from Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem is the epicenter of Christianity. This is where it all started. This is the first generation of Christians. And now the good news has moved beyond those borders, right? And so now we have second generation Christians, right? Move beyond Jerusalem onto Macedonia. We now have two generations of Christians. The originals and the guys who've come in later in time. But you also have moved, not just in generations, but you've also moved ethnicities. You've gone from a, a church that's strictly Jewish to a church that's strictly Gentile. So it's the second generation Gentile church that is being asked, hey, can you go help the first generation originators? And this church that doesn't have it all together and certainly doesn't have it in overflowing riches says, Sign me up. This is the type of thing that I want to be. And so there is an interdependence on God's church. And when he looks at us as a church, he wants joy to overflow in our giving. He wants us to give even when we don't have it to give. Let's keep going for point number two. It's in verse number three. For they gave according to their means. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Do you get that? You picking up on that? Let me go back and reread it, and you just start circling uh, plural pronouns. Wealth of generosity on their part, that's verse 2. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. There's another one. And beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so the point number two is, number one is kind of what the the characteristic of a really generous body is that things are just overflowing out of their hearts. The second kind of just evocative emotion is that they're begging. This is a begging, pleading congregation where they are begging people to be a giver, right? And so this begging, right, this pleading that came is not from the fundraiser, but actually coming to the one who doesn't have a thing, This is a begging congregation. This begging came from the giver. Like, please let me be a part. 
there's a lot of noise this time of year because it's now officially Christmas. I mean, it's, I mean, just you can't even get out of Thanksgiving Day without Christmas being just on our eyes and on, on, our, our, on our minds. So there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of really good fundraisers right now. And the marketing departments on all of these situations are trying to get your attention, to avert your attention off the thing and put it onto their thing. It's remarkable in this passage that it's not Paul who's necessarily begging the Macedonians like, hey man, you need to like really step up. It's the poverty of a people group in Macedonia doing the begging. What's the last thing that you begged for? What's the last thing that you begged, begged, begged for? I wish I had that. And did that begging, and did that thing that you were begging for, was it a relief for yourself, or was it a relief for others? Again, we can take that really personally, but what Jesus is doing as he's drawn a circle around us What are we begging for? And are we begging for relief of ourselves or the relief for others? I love the ownership in this passage. Like, it is the Macedonian church. Like, this is, I mean, just the plural pronouns. Four times in this, like, they are going to do their part. It's an amazing, amazing moment. That they, as a corporate gathering, have gathered together to say, this is what we are going to do. We want to be a part of the relief of the saints. Put us in. We want to do our part. And the ownership here, the impetus on it is our responsibility. The the Jews, all right, the, the, the original church in Jerusalem, those Jewish brothers and sisters, they're suffering. And we can give just a portion to relief. There's a chance that this Macedonian church, because of their extreme poverty, really probably there may have cut a check for one or two dollars, maybe five dollars, maybe ten, maybe a hundred. I don't know, but it's, it's probably a pretty small amount of money. And it's not the amount of money that counts in God's kingdom. It's the heart and a heart that overflows, and a heart that begs, put me in. Let me be a part. Let us take responsibility for the relief of the saints. There's a lot of noise this time of year for you to get your attention off things. There may be a lot of noise in us corporately, and a lot of ideas in which we can come and go. Let us make sure that we keep our eyes on the things and how we can beg the Lord on how we can be a part of these types of things. Gospel first, and then our gift. Gospel first, and then our gift. Because they committed themselves first to the Lord, and then to Paul and Paul's request. We should not give anything unless we first understand the explicit gospel of Jesus, that it was first and foremost a gift to us. The reason that they gave and the reason that they were so generous is because they first gave themselves to the Lord, verse 5. And, this is, and this, is, this is a primary, primary example of our own hearts. One reason that we may not be so generous is because we may not understand that God extravagantly gave to us. 
the last thing to talk about this morning is excellence. So the first two things that were flowing and this begging, this is kind of emotive, all right? This is all emotional, all right? This is all kind of like just, just uh, um, and, but the last one is very cerebral. It's very scientific. It's very logical. And so this helps us with our Western world. All right, so verse, uh, uh, verses um, six and following, sorry, seven and following. So Corinthians, the church of Corinthians, but you, man, you are really, really good at some things, Paul says. You excel in everything. Paul is telling the church of Corinthians. You're really good at faith, and you're really good at speech, and you're really good at knowledge, and all earnestly. These are things that you're really, really good at. And so when King Jesus looks at you, he's going to rattle off and be like, well done in the faith and the speech department. Really, really, really good. And in our, in, in our love for you. And then there's a hard dash in the ESV. See that you excel in this act of grace as well or also. And so the third thing is that this is what we need to be excelling at. These are the types of things that we need to excel and be excellent at. Speech and faith, but also our corporate giving. What we are able to do. We may be really, really good at a lot of things, but if we are not understanding that Everything that we have in our possession is a gift from God, a grace from God that we will truly stumble. And so excel in this. This is the type of learning that I want. This is the grace that I want you to have. And this is the standard. Paul is writing a, a message right, to the Corinthian church. He says, this is the standard. Is I want you to excel in this going into the holidays and going into the year-end and year-end givings and year-end appeals and all of these types of things, what exactly should we be doing? Well, so a few examples for you and I and some things, some like pretty practical things is, is what are we going to do with our money, right? What is God, how are we going to be responsible with this? Well, first and foremost is that um, we're going to hear, we're going to continue to hear these types of testimonies. And every time we hear these types of testimonies, we're going to say to you, it is really, really, really important that you become a part of the relief of the saints. For you to not just hear a testimony, but for you to jump on board and be a part of these types of missions. For the next year or so, we think particularly the Elizabethan church plant is going to be a major source of, of, of interest around here. We're going to hear testimonies, and we're going to have engagement. Uh, we're going to encourage you to engage in all kinds of things. But we're also going to encourage you to begin to, to write money, to write checks, to start sending money to Elizabethton, because that is an important mission for you. And so for you, before you end the year 2018, for you to look at 2019 and to say, okay, so what is the portion? What are some things that we can be a part of together? Because we are going to continue to ask you to be a part of the relief of the saints in all kinds of ways. Uh, secondly, is they committed themselves to the Lord first, right? This idea that before you write one check, before you engage on one mission, you need to understand that we are a part of something so much bigger than just your wallet. And so we need to pray and to decipher where we need to put the things and where we need to put our energies and efforts. And as we do so, we will be clear 
with those types of things. As a church, right, we want to continue to move forward and to see that they're hurting people around the world. And so with that, we've described four giving platforms or four missional platforms for us to be a part of. First and foremost is that we are, as a body, we are to be ambassadors for Jesus. That means you and I, each of us, have a voice to be a witness of Christ Jesus. So, like last week, we're going to bring up examples of how people are on mission, how people are witnesses in, in our local economy. The second platform is that church planting is going to be a big deal. And we want to look at church planting in Elizabethan as one of the missions for the next 12 or 15 months around here. And we're going to encourage you, encourage you to write checks and encourage you to pray, maybe even encourage you to move to Carter County to be a part of something that big. Thirdly is we have mission partners, right? We have The Well, and we have Rise Up, we have Dover Gorge, and we have Agape. And we're going to encourage you, and we're going to continue to bring them up on stage, and we're going to continue to let them speak and hopefully prick your heart. And what we're saying in all of these platforms is we think that these are the worthwhile endeavors for you to invest in. This is the relief of the saints for us corporately. And then lastly, globally, is what's going on in Mozambique and what's going on in Latin America. These are the things that we want you to be engaged in in a really strong effort. And so as far as we language, that's how we want, we want as, as leadership, we want us all to begin praying. And then also know that we've bumped our giving from 10% to missions to 12%. It's just a, a small little incremental bump, but it is a bump. And so corporately, as you, as you write checks to the church, hopefully more and more funds are going to this, this global uh, relief of the saints. So gospel first and then the gift. It ends this passage on giving and finances and examples and those kinds of things. It ends with the gospel, which is where, what we're about around here. Let me direct your attention to verse 9 one last time as we head to communion. For you know by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. You see, the, you see that? That Jesus Christ... You know, the, the Holy One living in heaven, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And here's the great exchange. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Over and over and over, the scriptures point us back to the point that it's not about our wallets, it's about our hearts. That we have to first understand that God gave everything. He who was rich became poor for us so that those of us who were poor might be rich. Rich in bank accounts? No. Abundant in joy. Abundant in generosity. And so the admonition for you and I this morning is for us to be more like the Macedonian church. For us to overflow. For us to beg. And for us to excel in this idea that the grace of God is a gift. And we have gifts to give those around us. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks again for this great gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you are going to welcome us to this table. And you are about the business of the assembly, about the corporate gathering, about a collection of people who love you so very much 
that want to sing your praises. And so Jesus, as we approach this table, help us to realize that we are seeing theology in motion. As the church of Macedonia gave their monies collectively, Jesus, collectively, we're going to stand. And collectively, we're going to approach your table and to see that our worth, our significance is found here. Jesus, I'm not sure how you see our, how we give to the relief of the saints. But I pray that as high schoolers and college students and singles and young marrieds and marrieds and retired people, as we are all in here this morning, will you help us? Will you bring great clarity to us in what we need to be involved in? It seemed to me that, Jesus, that you were pleased with what the Macedonian church was about. God, we want to bring pleasure to you. We want to bring blessing to you. And so will you give us a great conviction to lavish, to overflow, to beg, to excel in this idea that we want to be generous because you first gave your life for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to see extravagance, and if you want to see lavishness, and if you want to see generosity, simply look to the person and work of Jesus. For he who was rich became poor. He gave his entire life for us. He who knew no sin actually became sin for us. So that those who were poor may be rich so that those who were in sin may become the righteousness of God. So this is the most generous place that you'll ever see. What is truly lifted up in the Scriptures are not the Macedonian church. What's lifted up in Scripture is the gift, the grace of Christ Jesus giving His life for us. As we, as we take this, this meal collectively, help us to do so with unity and with generosity in our hearts. Go ahead and stand and know that there are men throughout the, uh, throughout the gym that are waiting on you, uh, that uh, would love to serve you this meal. Uh, they have um, uh, just a, a little cup of juice and also a little piece of bread. And, um, and so that they want to, we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, some of you, though, just need somebody to pray with. Some of you just uh, need just a, a, a moment alone. And potentially, you don't know exactly what to pray or how to pray. So we've got a couple of people in the back that would, be, that would love to pray with you, with you in this moment. So respond to the gospel however you see fit, whether it's to take the, the meal and then pray, pray then the meal, do just one or the other. Uh, it's, it's up to you and the Lord. But just know that these, this, this table is open for you to take. And, um, and so go ahead. You are dismissed to, to take as in your leisure.